Welcome back to the Max Effort Kitchen Podcast. We got a great segment for you. It's called The Athlete and the Chef. So sit back, relax, and let's go. Oh, hey, we're live. Hey, welcome to the Max Everett Kitchen. How, how's everybody doing? Uh, that popped in on me pretty quick. I guess I wasn't paying attention to the numbers. Uh, I am Matt. This is Cornell. Uh, we are here for another Sunday of some great talk about food and weightlifting. Uh, can, how you doing, Cornell? I am doing quite well. Excellent. So, rested up. My back is feeling much better. I had that kind of the muscles that didn't want to let go for like a week. Maybe yeah. a week and a half didn't yeah. help competing last weekend. Also didn't help with my, I'm doing that power, power project competition. And it yeah. was a one rep front squat with a five second pause. So that never helps with upper <laughs> middle back. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it really doesn't. Um, that, that was a pretty intense one. And uh, you, you said you went up to what, 185? Uh, 185 took a crack at 190, but it was like there was just no on my way down <laughs> on the descent. I felt my knee pop, and I, yeah. so yeah. I just shifted to the other leg, and that was like, there's no way it's happening. Right. I mean, you know, it's funny because I I catch myself doing this. I don't know, roughly once or twice a month, where I will feel something pop, or I'll feel a twinge in the middle of a, a session. I'm like, you know what? Just back off. Just just back off and and that's okay and it works but um it's just being about being smart right yeah yeah no i think that's that's the that's the 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 good part about being a grown-up and being a master and not just being like tomorrow doesn't matter it's all about today it's like (laughs) tomorrow (laughs) does matter because (laughs) (laughs) it kind of matters i can do this again yeah exactly yeah i mean that's the whole point um Man, I, I okay. I'm gonna brag a little bit because uh, I I made dinner this tonight and it was something a little bit outside of our box or something I haven't done in a really long time. And I figure why not talk about it on the podcast because it is you know we do talk about food. Um, so what what's your what's your take on whitefish? Do you like whitefish? Uh. Is that a specific fish or is that just like <laughs> no I'm saying versus I, I, versus like salmon? You know, we okay. got like oh, like yeah, cod. Yeah. So for for instance, I, I got cod. Okay. And I, I've always had a uh quite the dilemma towards cod, halibut, all that stuff. Yep. And and the reason why is because it, it um you can you can make it look like the most beautiful plate, you know, on the table. And you can you can crust it, you can bread it, you can sear it up really nice, and it looks beautiful. The problem is, is it just doesn't taste like anything. It never tastes like anything. So very, very bland. Yeah, very bland. And you're just like, what is this weird texture in my mouth? It doesn't have any flavor. Um, and so uh, that's what she said. And then <laughs> I had I was to. like, I'm not going to say. It. Yeah, I was waiting for you to say it. Um, no, but uh, so what I did was I did some just basic garlic mashed potatoes. I cut the uh, the cod into like probably like six ounce little, little portion steaks. And um, I, I threw it in a, like a flour blend with like smoked paprika, um, oregano, thyme, what else? Garlic salt, a little bit of flour. And then um, 
a little bit of cornstarch, just kind of rolled it in that cast iron pan, uh, uh, mixture of butter and, and oil, got a nice sear on it, took it out of the pan, let it rest. And then I made like, uh, are you familiar? And it's a, it's a French sauce. It's called a Berblanc. Nope. Okay. So what it is, a Berblanc sauce is, uh, three primary things, lemon juice, butter, and wine. And it's like, basically, I took all the drippings in the pan, added my lemon juice, added another whole bunch of uh, wine. And I always like to do a pan sauce with a little chicken stock. It makes it thicker. So I threw, threw some chicken stock in there, let it cook down, threw the butter in there. And holy crap, dude. <laughs> it was like the most flavorful uh, fish I've ever had. And so I'm like, oh, I look at Alana and I'm like, man. This is good. And she goes, yeah, you should, uh, you should take up cooking for a living. This, this is pretty good. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. Um, but I, I really, so I guess the whole point of me telling you this is like, if anybody out there, you know, has the, the struggle with the, the white fish, the cod, the halibut, the, the fish that is harder to flavor, use a pan sauce because it will turn out your dish and it'll impress anybody out there. That's kind nice. of my tip of the day. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So the last time I went, I think we talked about this a little while ago. I don't go fishing often, just whenever work pays for it. Right, right. There's a fish that we catch very commonly around here called sheep's head. Yeah. And we made some really good fish tacos. Kind of the, the same idea where it's never really tasted that good. Mm -hmm. uh, and this time I, I like, I didn't bread it, but I floured the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I created like a crust over it and then we deep fried it. But I, instead of just using flour, I used flour and garlic salt. Nice. And it was just like it flavored it. I mean, it didn't flavor the fish. It just gave it a garlic flavor. Right. Like right. Flavor. Yeah. And then did the, the typical like white sauce with that you have on fish tacos with the cabbage and everything. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it was the first time where my whole family was like, this is really good. Why haven't <laughs> we done this before? And I'm like, because I didn't think to put the fish right. and flour first. <laughs> yeah, no, we had the same moment tonight. It was like, why aren't we doing this more often? Now, cod is, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure how expensive the fish you were talking about is, um, but like cod is, it was like fifteen dollars a pound. And so yeah. I just recently, this is the first time I've seen this for sale around here because mm -hmm. when we were fishing, they said that all the fish on the Pacific get sent to Japan. Interesting, uh, and it's very rare because we're like we never see this on menus here. Like, yeah, no fish that you buy at a restaurant here is from here. That's all right. literally gets shipped out to Japan. I just recently saw sheep's head at my local grocery store, and it was only like seven ninety nine a pound, nice. and it's it's not big. Like the fillet is smaller than like a, a chicken breast, yeah, or like a yeah. chicken thigh, but it's only about a half inch thick. So. You could probably get like six or seven fillets in a pound. Oh, that's awesome. So I'm going to yeah. look for that. I've never had that before. I mean, was it, is it like a flaky type fish? I mean, does it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's, it's just a real flaky white thin. Yeah. I mean, you see it and then you kind of wonder when you go to Costco or something and you get a salmon and you're like, okay, this fish was like, like 18 inches long and I got like a taco out of it. How big are these actual salmons? <laughs> right. Well, generally when I'm, when I am cooking with whitefish, I, I generally 
Um, all I've ever done is fish tacos because it's the best way to do it in my mm -hmm. opinion. But I think I, what I did was I kind of layered it. I went sauce on the plate. I did mashed potatoes and then I did the fish and sauce on top of that and let it drain over. Nice. And it was like the perfect bite. You cut down, you get, you get sauce on both sides, mashed potatoes and the fish. It was great. It was interesting. I mean, I don't know, you know, get out there, play with some food. I, it wasn't like a calorie dense meal. That is one thing it was not, but mm -hmm. I didn't lift today and I'm okay with that on the days I don't lift. I don't know about you, but on the days I don't lift, I, I just don't have the appetite and I still eat. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> now, now I don't eat in comparison to some of our friends. Uh, <laughs> we have one friend, Damon in, in particular, that guy, I swear both of his legs are hollow. I've never seen anybody eat the way he eats, but um, more power to him. And, and I love it. Yeah. Um, but uh, on my off days, I, I tend to go towards the things that I don't need to be calorie dense on. Uh. My off days, I'll generally eat more desserts. Like, <laughs> I like that. I'm like, I don't need, I don't necessarily need all the protein. I don't need all this. I don't need all that. But I'm like, oh, but I'll, I don't mind having an ice cream sandwich during the day and then having a bowl of ice cream with, we had uh, my niece's birthday was yesterday and they made a Texas sheet cake. So we brought some of that home. So had a nice six inch by six inch square of that with a, probably a cup and a half of ice cream on top. About 15 minutes ago, so I'm still feeling it. <laughs> you kind of made, made me uh, want that right now. Texas sheet cake, talk to me about that. Like, what is that just like a basic yellow cake, thinner, a little bit thinner than normal? So, I don't, is it, is it not like a thing that people don't know about? I, I didn't, I, I've never heard the term Texas sheet cake. Okay, that, so yeah. one of the nice parts is it with it is it's a really thin cake, it's yeah. about an inch thick. I don't know how they make it, but it's just a very simple chocolate cake. Okay. But then you mix up the frosting because we've we've made it once, but my mother-in-law makes it all the time right. for birthday parties. <laughs> Not like <laughs> all the time. So, but you you pour the frosting over it right when it comes out, and okay. then it melts into the cake, and then the the frosting on top it almost turns like a glass, like not perfectly smooth but like it it melts over the top and it looks almost like a glazed frosting okay and then it it kind of soaks into the cake as well oh wow okay so i i get the the sheet cake probably refers to they're making it in a sheet pan so that's why it's thin like that yeah but well, i really like that so that that reminds me of something that like when i grew up my mom used to make like the 11 by 8 you know, normal kind of, kind of like basic cake pan. And she would get a box mix and this was some real down home, like Idaho shit. <laughs> so, white yellow cake. Um, she would bake the cake. And then when she, uh, when she pulled the cake out, she hit it in the, with a bunch of like toothpick, you know, hit it with toothpick, made a bunch of holes in it and then poured uh, the, the hot jello over it so the jello soaked into the cake put it in the fridge pulled it out about an hour later threw a whole layer of whipped cream on it and ate it like that nice and like i mean you know it's not like technical it's not super crazy but it's like whoa <laughs> i could eat i could eat half that dang thing like <laughs> easy in one sitting easy but yeah I, yeah I looked it up it says 
says it's made in a jelly roll pan. Yeah, that makes sense too. Yeah, that does make sense. But it's yep. like it's a big pan. It's not yep. like a. It's like a twenty-four by twenty-four. Bigger guy. It's a, a big yep. cake. Yeah. 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 And then when it's done, I mean, no one can really see this here, but it, it kind of looks like a brownie. Oh. Except for it's almost like the top layer is cr- not. It's like sugar crispy. Yeah. But not. But not crispy. But like it, you can see it crackle when you cut it. I'm going to I'm going to take note of this cuz I think uh, I I have a little homework to do. I want to try this. It sounds great. It, it's something super easy. You It's also cool because you can give your kids like a real big piece and really yeah. it's not that big cuz Yeah. 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 most Exactly. Sweet dude, like um well, my uh, my week of lifting was a little uh bombarded by uh, I don't know, mild cold. And so I took the opportunity to keep the percentages lower and, uh, you know, I got all five days in and it was good. You know, I, I think by the end of the week I had kicked it. I had a really good Friday, uh, went a little bit, you know, I, I hit the percentages and pushed a little bit more, nothing crazy. I don't think anything over five kilos more than the percentage, and uh, it was a productive day. And then I did some fun stuff with Damon with with, uh, with block snatches the other day or yesterday. And that was fun too. And lifting's really coming along right now. And I'm about seven weeks out. And I'm feeling um, I'm feeling the the movement is happening really well. I'm getting, you know, it's like when you do something a lot, right? The repetition, the constant. It's like you're it's like walking up to the bar, not thinking about, oh. Make sure your you know weights in the right part of the foot. Make sure your your butt's not coming up too fast. Like that part is starting to dissipate, um, and I and I I appreciate that. Uh, but w- one thing I wanted to to throw out there is like the idea that um, man, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I just had something so uh, like I was gonna like. Blow everybody's mind, but I lost it. We're all going to get PRs after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody's going to get PRs after this major thing I was going to say. No, I did lose it. But um, the, the one thing that did pop up in my head last week was the idea of taking a small, not break, but like back off a little bit in the middle of a meat prep to let mm-hmm. your body, to remind you, to give you that confidence again, to say, hey, you're still on track. Because I think during like the meat prep, especially when you're leading up to a meet, your body is getting beat the F down and you forget. And I think this last week was really healthy for my mental state nice. and, and, and taught me something. So that was cool. That's great. No, I, I think it's always good to remember that um, getting ready for a competition. It's like, that's the only thing that you're really thinking about. Yeah. And sometimes we focus so much on it. We're not thinking about, we're just thinking about compete, compete, get the, get all the the sessions in. I want to be my best, but we forget that our body's getting more and more beat up. Yeah. So every once in a while, if it's, you get a cold, if it's work, gets busy, if it could be whatever it is, if, if there's a week that you can't get it all in, like just embrace it and use that for recovery for like use it to make you better yep so yeah i i think that's a good it's a good point and i think it's good for especially especially uh the older you get and the the more of a master's lifter is understanding 
you know, how your body works and all that. I think the young, and I, I, I do this a lot in this podcast where I, I separate the two. Cause I think there is a good separation. You know, our bodies are different. Our bodies are working different. We can thrash on our bodies in our, in our twenties a lot more. We talk about this a lot, but, um, you know, I, one thing that, um, I was listening to, uh, what podcast, one of the pod, plat, the platform. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed, uh, listening to Will Fleming, right? Like I haven't he, listened to it yet because it just came out and I yeah. was trying to listen to it at the gym today, but it didn't want to download for some reason. It, it was a good podcast and I really enjoyed listening to him. Um, I even reshared it and all that, but like, uh, he, his, his demeanor, the way he talks about weightlifting, I mean, his, his resume speaks for itself, right? He's taken, mm-hmm. you know, he's taken people to the Olympics, which in my opinion is like, wow, I, I don't even know what you do as a coach after that. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, just his, his whole demeanor. And one thing they talked about is like, and, and this is something I, I rarely think about, but like the approach to the bar in a competition. And I kind of wanted to get your take on this. Um, Cause when I heard it, I was like, Oh, I want to, I want to ask Cornell this on the podcast. Like, you know, when you approach the bar, you know, I know that we've talked about where our mindset is and all that, but like when you walk up to that bar on a competition platform, you know, and you, and something doesn't root go to the routine, uh, assuming you have a routine, mm-hmm. do you, how do you, how do you get yourself back out of that? Like how, how do you reset so you can still walk up to that bar and lift? And I'm talking in a matter of three seconds, right? You know, you can still <laughs> grab that bar and lift it and, and, you know, make the lift. Like, is there something, do you have a trick? Does this ever happen to you? I don't think it's happened, but I think that for me, the way that my brain works is I try to think of all of the possibilities and all the scenarios that could happen and work through them before they actually happen. Yeah. Uh, One of the things that I used to do a lot is I didn't want to initiate my lift till I heard the 30 second buzzer. Yeah. Cause I didn't want to be right about to pull. And then there's like this beep you're not expecting. Yep. So I used to just kind of like, I'd walk around a little bit, chalk up, take my time, go grab the bar 35 to 38 seconds um, and going down and then wait for that buzzer. And then once that happened, it was like, okay, now I can go. I'm not going to get distracted anymore. I like that. I like that. Um, I, you know, I, cause, okay. So I, as I was listening to the conversation, I, I thought about, oh, let's ask Cornell if he does this. Um, I have this happen to me more in training than it ever has in a, in a meet. I've never had it happen to me in a meet where I've walked up to a bar thinking I wasn't going to hit it, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I have a specific routine, you know, I walk up, I, I put one hand on the bar. I touch the other touch one hand with the other, move it into the spot. I like to feel the bar as I'm walking or as I'm, I'm getting ready, you know, count one, two, three, look up, go. And like, there's nothing super complicated about that. Um, I, uh, I just, I wonder if there's, if there's, uh, something out there that is like, like what he was talking about was stepping back. Re, maybe readjusting a belt, taking a deep breath, then restarting your whole thing. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself, like, wow, <laughs> I couldn't imagine like doing that in a competition. Now he's, you know, this dude, uh, he, oh, oh, he's internationally competition, in, you know, national competitions, local. Co- he's he's been around for a while. Um, 
<clears throat> so I'm, I, I definitely trust what he's saying. Uh, it was just an interesting topic because I find myself ha- that happening to me in training where I'm walking up to a lift and I'm like, I don't know if I have it in me today and I miss it, <laughs> you know? Sure. So I have a bunch of things I'm thinking of right now. Okay. But one of the things I'm thinking of is he's a, I haven't listened to the show yet, so okay, I'm just going to lay it out there, but I have listened to multiple shows with him on it. He is a very well known, very, like he's proven himself as a great coach. It's not something that he did one time a long time ago. He, he wasn't necessarily this like standout athlete. He he has proven himself as a coach much more than as an athlete. Correct. He's having to deal with these people, and I'm not saying anything about any of his lifters. Right. But he's having to deal with these lifters who they're good lifters. It doesn't mean they're in a good headspace. It doesn't mean they could coach. It doesn't mean they're rational people. He needs to learn how to get those people on track. So that's why I, I think that there's a lot of stuff where it's like, yeah, you might've walked up and you stepped on the platform and you hit a soft spot and the bar started rolling and you're like, Oh my gosh, what's going to happen. He, <laughs> yeah. he needs to figure out how to get those people's mind zoned in. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's something that a really good coach has to deal with. Um, if you have just a, a really good athlete who it doesn't take too much for them to perform well, mm-hmm. um, they're generally not necessarily good in the other, in a lot of other areas. They're just good at what they're doing. Right. So I like that. Uh, you know, that makes a, that's a really good point. And right when you said like, uh, this is a tough one and we've talked about this a lot, but like being a coach that has a team, you know, for him, I mean, he has a team, but he's, only coaching one person in the Olympic for the Olympic run right now in the quads. Mm -hmm. And so like that, I I would imagine that it's easier. Like they know each other. They know each other really well. You know, he knows the nuances of her. She knows the nuances of him and they probably bounce off back and forth. But we've talked about this a ton where like, I, you know, I always want more and especially being a remote athlete. I want like the coach to really know me. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's not realistic and I know it's not logical necessarily um, because of my position in the sport, you know, older remote athlete being somebody who doesn't, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not quitting my job. I'm not working a part-time job and being a full-time athlete. Right. Yeah. It, it's still a hobby, but I love that coach connection. I think that it's something that like I strive for is that coach connection and really building it. And I think I sometimes strive for it too hard mm-hmm. and it's interesting. And I don't know why, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that uh, in, in my, in this journey of weightlifting, <laughs> I, I have always like been like, you know, I think if there's one thing that I could change. It would be, I would be closer to my coach, but, I mean, in the big scheme of things, like, yeah, whatever, <laughs> you know, like I'm an adult. I'm a, I have a family. I have things to deal with. I shouldn't be worrying about the coach. Just thoughts. Yeah, no, it, it, it is nice to be close to the coach, but at the same time, it's like, you're not necessarily going to do 
necessarily any better if you lived in the same place as the coach did. Correct. Um, like, I think that it's, if you have your good environment with people that you can keep you held accountable and yeah. lift with, whether at their house, at your house, at the gym, I mean, Damon's at that gym now. So like you guys yeah. can all go there. Yeah. I think that's more important than the coach. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I've always felt that lifting partners, even if it's not necessarily like you're lifting the same amount of weight, mm-hmm. but like having somebody that you lift with in person all the time is going to always be better than the coach, than the program. Like you guys could, you could have a different, you could just be picking up a templated program and do the right. same thing and still get better than you would um, if you weren't together with someone. Yeah. That makes sense. I get that. So that, that sparks a question with, within me about you is like, you've been in the sport about, you know, I don't know, six, seven, six years more than I have, whatever. Um, you know, in, in your mind, you know, what, what are some of your, I don't know. I don't want to say goals. What, what's something you want to accomplish? What's something you wish you had in this sport that you haven't done yet? <laughs> And try and 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 when I say this, uh-huh. I mean d- don't 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 skew it to me. But like what I'm trying to say is like outside of the numbers, outside of the weight. Yeah, um, I want to be, I want to be in the corner of someone else who's doing who surpasses me. Yeah, like, that's I really think cool. That would be awesome. Like I've done everything in the sport that I could imagine, and so much more, and. I'm I'm up, I'm kind of at the point I've been thinking about this a lot the past couple of weeks where like yeah I've I tell myself like you've done it all. You, right. There's there's nothing in the sport you haven't done yet. Right. In like re- in reality. Yeah. Like I'm not I know the the age bracket that I'm in and I know what's I'm capable of and I and those kinds of things. But like <clears throat> that was all in the past. And I'm not going to live in the past. Because I think that that's something that you'll just constantly be comparing yourself of. It's like the Uncle Rico thing. It's like, oh, back (laughs) in my day, I could throw this football over a mountain. It's like, yep. who cares? (laughs) What are you going to do now? Uh, Like if you can't, if you don't have goals for right now, and it doesn't have to be for yourself, it can be like, I want to, it could be as little as like, I want to inspire my team to do more. I want to push them to go further. Yeah. Um, Like, that's what really I think is important, especially once you've kind of accomplished what you've done, you've set out to accomplish. I really like that. And that, that really leads to the, uh, or, or shows, you know, your selfless kind of attitude towards the sport. And, you know, I'm one of probably like a, more than a dozen, but one of a lot of people that can attest to like, you know, the amount of like advice, tips, tricks, you know, hey, check this out, you know, stuff, little little tips that you give us. Um, and it's and it's awesome. But what you just said is uh, a very true answer. And and I want everybody out there that that doesn't know Cornell that's listening to this to understand, because I, th- I think most of our, our listening base probably knows Cornell. But like he, he's not he's not feeding a line of bullshit right here. He's I mean, he's I, I don't know. I can't tell you how many times I've poloed him and been like, dude, I got a question. <laughs> and I always get an answer and that's pretty cool. And so, um, yeah, I mean, 
You know, it's just, it's like the continuing evolution of the sport. And when you talk about like, it's almost like the then versus now, like, you know, you're always going to have your old guard. That's like, Oh, it was so much better than we were lifting so much more weight. And uh, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think the sport has evolved. I think the sport has got more popularity. So it kind of is a little bit, uh, it's, uh, what's the word it's spread out a little bit more. So we don't notice the amount of weight being lifted, but there's a, we just had a weightlifter. What in AO finals, didn't Aaron Williams, mm-hmm. th- didn't he attempt like this, the, the heaviest clean and jerk ever to be attempt on American soil by an American. Yes. By an American. That's what I meant to say. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And like heaviest clean and jerk ever attempted by an American ever. <laughs> yeah yeah and and so that, that tells you it's still evolving right like yeah. we haven't stopped we haven't gotten it's haven't gotten worse maybe the way the things are conducted in the sport are, is different sure. um but in in all humankind like everything else we have to evolve and that's that's kind of just the reality of it yeah no i'm it's funny you you look back at old cal strength videos or just how it was back when they say like back, back in the day. Yeah. And it's like, people didn't really understand what they understand now. And yeah. now back then it was like, you just need to work hard. You just need to right. put in the, put in the time, put in the effort, do this, do that. And you're going to get good. Right. Now, like there's so much science involved that I don't understand it, but I also know that I'm probably never going to understand it because I'm not going to be, I'm not that kind of a coach. Yeah. And I would never claim to be that kind of coach, but I look at people. Um, you look at West Kitts, like the guy's a, a 102 now. So yeah, he's yeah. probably walking around 105, 106. Uh, but he's still he's hitting over 200 kilos on the regular. Mm-hmm. He's snatching in the over in the like mid to high 70s, like semi regularly. Look at Ryan Cessner. He's, I think he just, he, yeah. I, I feel like weekly he's clean and jerking over 200. Yeah. Yeah. It, it seems like that. Right. And he's snatching over 70. You look at Medina, he's the same. Like Medina's, I, I haven't talked to him in a while, so I don't want to conf- like say anything, but I'm pretty sure he's, he doesn't look like a big super anymore. Like he, he didn't ever look like a big super, but he doesn't look like he's a super anymore based on what I can see with my eyeballs. Um, He's, he's still, yeah, I know he does look a little skinnier, but he is still a super. And actually I'll let you listen to this cause I'm not going to butcher it. But on that podcast, Will Fleming talks about, um, the, uh, a strategy or a, a way or a way that he could actually be going to the Olympics. Wow. Yeah. Cool. So he, and he talks about that. So, um, it's towards the end of the show, but it's, it's really neat to listen to that kind of like okay. these different strategies that are out there. Yeah, but I'm just seeing all these people nowadays, and I'm like, you guys are lifting so much more than they did back in the day. Like, yeah. uh, I think I was listening to Weightlifting House. They had one where they, it was, like, total nerded out, just all about the Olympics and, like, all these guesstimations of who's going to go and, like, if this person yeah. does this. But, like, Damron, 89-kilo lifter, like, he's he's clean jerking in the 200s still. Yeah. Like, like the nineties to two hundreds. He's, he's snatched one seventy. Like they're saying if he can go like 70 
205 or something like he could potentially bump himself up into an olympic position right like this is an 89 like i know that the 89 class wasn't back in the day it was like 85 or 96 but you even right. look at the the top 96s back there from america mm -hmm. or 94s and they weren't doing anywhere near those numbers like right. especially on the regular yeah um and we've seen i i i, I look at what Cal strength was compared to what Cal strength is. And I know that Cal strength is kind of like, who knows what their future is. They're not big into weightlifting anymore. They're interesting doing other stuff, but okay. they still have a handful of lifters. Like they don't have that team that they used to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like totally. After the, the last Olympics, when Wes moved uh, back to Tennessee and they opened up another location and, um, uh, it's not the same that it used to be, but there's so much more thought that goes into all this stuff. And it's not just like, just work hard, just, just do, do, do more. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point you have to evolve. You can't just work hard and expect the same results. Like, yeah. you know, we, we all know that term. Um, but like, uh, also, also how many more lifts people are making now than back in the day. Yeah. Back in the day, it was like, cool. You made three for six. You made two for six. Like almost, I, I remember seeing there's a, a team called two white light weightlifting. Okay. And their slogan is like almost a loser, barely a winner. <laughs> and I feel like that's how, that's how weightlifting was by just the, the, like the, the cavemen back in the day when they were just push, 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 push. Yeah, it wasn't like, hey, if you don't push as hard on these days, then you can push more on the next day. Yeah, I like that. And and you know, uh, Fleming made a quote that he was just like, "Listen, if you're not hitting six for six, you're not going to the Olympics." Yeah, he's like, I have. He's like, Coach Mary, you know, she went uh, four for six, and it was like, I, I'm just like, you need to do better than this. And he says it a lot better than I did, but like, you know. Um, I learned a lot from that podcast, but I think what I took away from it the most, and I'm not trying to boost somebody else's podcast here, but it, it just brought up a lot of good conversation, which is, you know, the, the level headed approach that he seems to take. Now, mm -hmm. I don't know the guy. I haven't done enough research on him, um, but just off of the couple things that I've seen him in lately, man, it, it's just, it's really refreshing to see this approach of, uh, how, how, how a coach at that level really coaches. It's professional. It's professional. It's exactly what it is. It's like, you look at, uh, Mike Tomlin. Are you familiar with Mike Tomlin is mm -mm. he's the head coach of the Steelers. And that guy has, in my opinion, uh, a Pittsburgh Steelers, in my opinion, he has the best sideline persona in the NFL. The man is a professional. He's not mm -hmm. yelling at his players. He's not, you know, he's not firing people. He's not, you know, he's been with the Steelers for years and years and years, you know, but just his persona of the way that he holds himself in a professional sense is really nice. And I, and I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting here being like, oh, is this really how it is? <laughs> like, this is <laughs> awesome. I love it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fun, dude. It's. I, I enjoy, I think that if I was to take your question, what I gave you, which is the one thing you still want to accomplish, I can't really say that for myself because I'm too young in the sport, but I'm, man, I'm still a sponge. And that's really what I, um, I, I really figured out about myself recently 
is like, man, I'm still soaking up so much. I am too. <laughs> yeah. I good. think that it's the people who think they know it all that, yeah. or who would like, that just think that they have the best way that are the ones that are, they're not taking anything else in. It's yeah. like, they think they know it all and they don't want to take criticism. They don't want to like, well, this worked for me. This is how I got here. It's like, okay, well, there's a lot of stuff that is different that can get you there faster, easier, less injuries, uh, take more, bring more people there. Yep. Uh, like, we said, talked a little bit last week about not necessarily staying on the same team for a long time. Uh, like put a couple years in. Yep. I think that that's a big part where you, you want to absorb everything you can from whoever's teaching you yeah, and then move on and start absorbing new stuff from somebody else. And then keep, don't burn bridges. Don't, don't be a jerk about it. Don't be like, oh, I'm better than you because I'm moving on to this next thing. But yeah. just be honest. Be like, hey, look, this was a great run. I think I took in everything that I can take from you, and I want to I want to try something different now. And I'm going to use what I've been taught, and I'm going to try to add to it with someone else. Yeah, I think it. Uh, I I really like I like that because especially um, it's nice hearing that coming from like somebody that has been in the sport for as long as you have, because for myself, you know, <clears throat> this is technically my second team I've been on. Mm -hmm. I know I'm going to be on another team. I'm not thinking about that right now, but I know that when I approach, you know, Stephanie and I'm like, Hey, you know, I think it's time for me to move on. Um, mm -hmm. It's, it's going to be perfectly fine. And, uh, and that, that level of professionalism, you know, we, ha we have something that we talk about in the restaurant industry. Okay. And uh, this is something that for so long um, in the restaurant industry, we, you talk about family, like you, this is your work family. This is, you know, we are, we're, we go to the trenches together. Like we're, you know, Friday nights, we're getting our ass kicked and then we're going out and having drinks. This is our family, right? Yeah. Well, that that whole term of like this is our family has really been um, distinguished for the simple fact that it's um, it, it, and I did some research on this, but it's used from a corporate level, um, a more of a dictator level to draw people in and keep them there. It's okay. a tactic. And so if we're using this tactic of saying we're a big family, then what what are you really saying there? You know, especially if somebody from that family leaves, are they still a family? Yeah. You know, so there's one thing that when I, you know, I do a lot of exit interviews at work and when, when somebody exits and leaves, you know, I'm like, Hey, let, let's talk. Um, well, you know, where are you going next? Give me some feedback. Tell me like, w w what did I do that was good? What did I do that you liked? What did I do that you didn't like? And then we talk about where they're going, right? And it's sometimes you get people that are just too scared to say what, you know, the constructive part. Most of the time they're like, oh, yeah, you're so great. But there are times where you do get some really good feedback. Yeah. And as me as a professional in my industry, which is being, you know, in the restaurant industry, I look at that as so valuable. And it's the people that don't, that can't take that feedback that, still have so much more room to grow to be a professional. 
And so it's like this idea that, you know, we're going to create this family atmosphere. That's, that's like a, that's a, like it's an insecurities. That's all that is. You're trying to keep a bunch of people around you. And I'm, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not like talking to anybody about anybody specific here. I'm just saying from my industry and from my thing, it's like, it's not a good feel to sit there and say, Oh, we're family. And then watch these people walk away. Cause yeah, of course you're going to get pissed off. We're supposed to be family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, there, there's, there's signs out there. There's all, there's phrases, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You don't pick your family. You pick your friends. Correct. And I'm at a point now, especially in weightlifting, where I, I don't want to call people teammates anymore because I don't, they're my friends. And I'm not, if you want to go to a different team, that's totally fine. I'm right. still going to be your friend. Right. I'm not locked. I'm not your friend just because we're on the same team. Correct. And I've been on three, kind of four teams. One of them was like the team left a gym. Like we've talked about that before. Yeah. And almost everybody moved over. And so it was technically two different teams, but it was the majority the same. Yeah. Um, there's one team that was very much like to the death and like we're brothers at all this kind of stuff. And then it was time to move on and nobody talks to me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I thought like we were, there was like Bible studies involved and stuff. And then I left the team and it was like, yeah, I'd still love to go like be a part of the Bible study. I still look at you guys as really close friends. Like you're not part of the team. This is a team Bible study. Yeah. This is a, a team way to heaven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and then I think that that, that mentality, it, it's, it's too bad. I, you can't control other people. And that's, that's really what that is. You just can't control other people and you got to let them do their thing. And they're going to do it. And yeah. it's just like, you know, um, it sucks. But it's a, a, I didn't deal with it probably on the same level that you did. Uh, yeah. Because you were closer to those people than, than probably I was. And I was pretty, I, I think I was self-induced. I was removed a little bit. And that's okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that feeling sucks. Yeah. That, but that was just, that's what helped me change my mindset where I'm like, I don't care what team we're on. I don't yeah. care if you want to switch gyms. I don't care about any of that. Like yeah. if you're my friend, you're my friend. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to lift with you and it might not be as often as I would like to, or as often as we could, but I have friends who have been at strength tank and then they've chosen to move on and I'm still their friend. I'm yeah. not talking smack about them. I'm still going to reach out to them and see how they're doing. I just reached out to someone today who was on a team and I, no longer anymore. And I was like, Hey, how's it going? I haven't seen any posting. Like, how's everything going? And he was like, Oh, things are going great. The new team is really what doing good, except for I pulled like a hamstring and I have some other just little issues going on. Like I get that. Like, yeah. Let me know if you need anything. Yeah. And it, it doesn't have to be. Yeah. It's like, I'm choosing who my friends are. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it, this is a, this is a good topic. And, um, I think it probably should be talked about a little bit more, but I, I like, I like the fact that we brought it up. Um, I'm going to switch gears here and uh, cause we're about, we're about 43 minutes in and listen, I, I got to promote this, this like weird, this, not weird. I'm sorry. This show that I'm watching that my wife actually got me to watch on Netflix. 
And it's, there's something so genuine about it. And it's called love on the spectrum. Ha, I just started watching it. Oh dude. <laughs> Listen, the, okay. The, the Australia version of it is probably my favorite so far. Okay. Um, I might've worked backwards uh, because I think the U S is the first season. Australia is the second season. Two, Anyways, two seasons. We yeah. started on season two. Yeah. Same here. So that's the Australia one. Uh, right. No, it, it's, they have people from season one who are oh. still on. Okay, well, <laughs> I'm. I, I just I just started it yesterday. I'm like six episodes into something. Okay, <laughs> so listen. Okay, there's it's amazing. Some, it is amazing, <laughs> and you know, for me, what really strikes me that is just so awesome is the straight up blunt. I'm gonna say how I feel in the moment attitude, and it's accepted. Yeah. Did you see the one where he goes on the speed dating? Oh, uh, which no, one? So, okay. I don't remember their names. Okay. We, we watched like five episodes. In one. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. the guy's on speed dating and it's, yeah. it, I, my wife didn't really want to watch it. Cause she's like, I don't want to like, I don't want to make fun of them. And right. I was like, I just put it on. Cause I'm like, it's something we can all watch. Right. right. And we were cracking up along with, the people on the show were laughing like the yes. family member. Yeah. It was just like we were there and it was amazing. But yeah. this one dude, I felt so bad for him because his OCD ness was he couldn't make a decision. I mean, he couldn't check. I was interested in this person because he was like, well, what if, what if they only want to have two kids and I want three, I don't know if I can check this box that says I'm interested. And then he went out, ended up going outside and he was like, talking to himself and pep talking, <laughs> <laughs> but like, it was like, are you interested or not? I don't know if they, I don't know how many kids they want to have. And what if it's different than what I want to have? <laughs> exactly. There's so much like thought, but yes. they, it's not thought that's going on up here. It's yeah. coming out of their mouth. And I, I'm like, Oh, this is so cool to watch. Like just to see like somebody like say in a day, you know what? I'm just not feeling this or I, I, I don't think that we, uh, I think that we should just be friends and everything's fine and they just walk away and it's all good. Yeah. Now I know it's TV a little bit, but there's probably some editing, but still like, holy crap, get out there and watch a show people. If you haven't already no, seen it, that's what this guy was doing during speed dating is he would ask him a question. And if they didn't say the answer he wanted, he yeah. would, he would just look down at his paper and mark not interested. And there's still like three minutes left on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and then he'd look up at him. <laughs> I have not seen this episode, but I am looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh man. Such a great show. Get out there. Watch it. It's on Netflix. Um, really good stuff. Anyways, uh, Cornell, great show. 46 minutes in. Um, yeah, not much to say. Do you, okay. We're going to end the show with one quick little weightlifting tip from Cornell. What is it? Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Do a lot of warm-ups at a really light weight so that you're not warming up. You're not changing your technique as your the weight's getting heavier. Boom. That's it. No, no backstory on that. So excellent. I like it. Uh Cornell, thank you for uh, being here. Everybody who's commenting tonight, awesome stuff. Thank you for being here. Live shows are fun. So uh hope everybody has a great night and we'll talk to you later. Adios.